0: The United States Coast Guard Academy men's basketball team opened the 2003-2004 season with a win over Johnson & Wales University. A number of freshmen had big games. There seemed to be a lot of potential with this young team. Kevin Eads will shoot with two seconds left. He hits, and the Bears score 96 against Johnson & Wales tonight. Winners 96-77. to 77. Johnson & Wales bounced back. It went to the NCAA tournament that year. Coast Guard? Not so much. The freshmen were overwhelmed by bigger, stronger players. The team played a shooting guard at point guard and often had a power forward bringing the ball up the court. And the team didn't play very good defense. Right side, Dyer. Long jump. Good. Three for Dyer. And now Coast Guard down by 13. Dyer indeed. Much to head coach Pete Berry's dismay, the Bears finished 3-20. and And
1: if we had played more games, we would have lost 120 games. Thank God it was only 20. Enough of that season. We were recruiting a good group.
0: This is the story of that group. Welcome to Episode 2, The Magnificent Seven. If you want to recruit college basketball players in Division I, you can offer them scholarships. You can offer them a great facility. You can offer them the promise of becoming popular, and maybe someday an NBA player. There's preferred admission status. They can get in with below-average grades or SAT scores. At the Coast Guard Academy, you can't offer preferred admission. There's no NBA dreams. You can offer free tuition, but it comes with a catch. You have to serve at least five years in the United States Coast Guard. Here's Jason Souther, the school's sports information director.
2: You don't come to the Coast Guard Academy necessarily to win a championship. You come because you want to serve your country. You come to become a Coast Guard officer.
0: As assistant coach Bob Bono can tell you, recruiting in a military academy is way different than recruiting anywhere else. And back in the mid-2000s, it was a lot less sophisticated than it is now.
1: We would have a printout of addresses, labels, right of every high school in America, sending them out to high schools, asking the high school coach to send us names of players that would be able to qualify for our school. So we would get a thousand names back and then you would have to put together a package, have the preformed letter, change the first name, dear Mark, dear Bob, whatever, and mail it out to the kid, and hopefully the kid mails back the questionnaire, and then you start developing a relationship with the kid.
0: The process becomes self-eliminating. There aren't a lot of kids who want to make a nine-year commitment. Four years for school, five years of service.
1: You get whittled down to about 30 kids. You hope that they have the, the math aptitude and all that to get in, and they're taking the right courses to get in, and they have their SATs at a certain level to get in. And you hope that they want to come to an academy and you hope that when they come to the academy, they have a passion for basketball and they want to play for four years. It's a unique school. It's not like choosing between going to Rutgers or Penn State. This is a a unique school, a different lifestyle. They got to find the kids that want to do this.
0: Finding kids that want to do this. In the mid 2000s, Coast Guard Academy was able to find a good number of those across sports. Events like the September 11th terrorist attack led to an increase in the number of young men and women who wanted to serve their country. The same happened a few years later with the rescue effort for Hurricane Katrina. Sometimes all of the work that goes into trying to find the right kids pays off. Sometimes you get the right combination of kids with character, a desire to serve, and basketball talent. A group of kids whose priorities are not those of your typical college student. And the group that reported to New London in the summer of 2004 was that group. It was the greatest recruiting class in Coast Guard basketball history.
3: And now, let's meet the starting lineups for your Coast Guard.
0: During the 2003-2004 season, Pete Barry and Jason Southard repeatedly told me that there was a kid at Navy Prep who was good enough to be a starting player and a good one on the basketball team right now. That was Jeff Prebeck.
3: That forward, 6 foot 6 from Columbus, Indiana, number 32,
4: Jeff Prebeck. My name is Jeff Prebeck, a graduate of 2008 Coast Guard Academy. I was a power forward on the academy men's basketball team and co-captain 2008. The, the first basketball game I ever watched, I just kind of came across it and it was the Rockets against the Spurs. And I remember watching this game and I just like instantly fell in love with it. I remember watching Dakeem Olajuwon versus David Robinson and I was hooked and I remember going to school the next day and they had like basketball club and I ran home, like we we're in a small town in Illinois at the time. And I was like, mom, you got to sign me up. And so she signed me up and I was by far the worst player on, on the court. I remember just practicing so hard and just being so far behind everyone. But it got to the point like where I made, we, we had this layup drill and I made five in a row and the the coach was just like, all right, how many made one, two, three, four, five. And my hand stayed up the entire time. And I was the last person kind of standing and, and no one believed it. And it was just like, there's no way that Jeff made like five layups in a row. That kind of just resonated with me. I was like, man, I'm really bad, but I'm getting better. My dad, he worked a lot. He worked hard, long hours. He put up a hoop in our driveway when he did have free time, especially on the weekends. Like, he would just rebound for me, like when I was shooting. So he was always there to support me.
0: Jeff Prebeck was never going to be big enough to be an Alajuan or a Robinson, but he found other players who could be basketball influences.
4: My favorite player was Charles Barkley. There wasn't like a lot of excitement from his game, it was more like with his mouth, I think, if anything. But I loved like how he rebounded. And I really like Dennis Rodman, too. I just love like how these guys were just kind of like garbage players. And it didn't really matter like how they scored, like they were going to get it just through hard work and rebounding.
0: Columbus, Indiana is the home of Chuck Taylor, you know, the Converse sneaker guy. So basketball is a big deal there. It's also the home of Cummins, a multination manufacturer of engines and filtration systems
4: small town in Indiana, I can tell you one of two things you're going to do. You're either going to graduate high school and you're going to go work for Cummins on the assembly line. Or you're going to go to Purdue. You're going to get your engineering degree and you're going to go back to Columbus and you're going to manage those working on the assembly line. I've got all the respect in the world for that life. A lot of my best friends are in that life. For me, I wasn't opposed to it. I just thought, hey, if there's an opportunity, maybe just to see something outside of Indiana and in cornfields, I want to give it a shot. I saw a picture of the Coast Guard Cutter Eagle, and I was like, wow, this is like a sailing ship. I have no idea what that even is, but it's on the water. And you know what? Like Maybe somehow I can leverage my basketball accolades into potentially getting out of Indiana and just playing hoops for the Coast Guard.
0: It wasn't that simple. Prebeck more than had the basketball skills to play for Coast Guard but academically, he was just not there. Coast Guard had one way to help applicants along. It could offer them admission to prep schools like NAPS and NIMI, that's short for Naval Academy Prep School and New Mexico Military Institute. He was offered the chance to go to NAPS, and if he could survive that, he could go to New London to enroll in the academy.
4: I wasn't the best student in high school uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I had other priorities in mind and a lot of it wasn't necessarily opening up a book bag when I got home from school. I'll tell you what, that was the hardest year of my life going to NAPS, but it was also the best year. And I think that really set me up for success, not only on the basketball court, but in the classroom and also in life. I really think that if I didn't have that year, we wouldn't be talking. I think that I was that underprepared for life away from home, and actually kind of being tested academically and physically on the court that that I needed that year to kind of grow up. I've got to like cram four years of just being lackadaisical in the classroom and really accelerating, putting my foot on the gas to make sure that I'm ready to graduate not only from NAPS, but then to hopefully succeed at the Coast Guard Academy voluntarily like I would miss games and naps because I had to study for a physics exam or a chemistry test that I was like gonna fail. I'm just built the way to where I don't want to look too far out into the future I just need to focus on the now and for me it was hey I'm not I shouldn't even be worried about their team because I might not even be on the team next year if I don't even pass this class. Sue Bebo, Captain Bebo retired she works with admissions and I'm just so grateful that she just took a leap of faith on me. So I, I don't forget that for sure.
0: For some, a leap of faith. For others, a different path.
4: At dawn,
3: five foot 10, from Monrovia, Maryland, number 10, Al Sowers.
5: My name is Al Sowers and I was a guard and co-captain on the Coast Guard men's basketball team. I grew up in a basketball family. My, my dad played basketball. He played basketball, he, he still plays basketball, and he played with a bunch of buddies while I was growing up that were former Division One basketball players. They were in several men's leagues. So I grew up in a basketball gym with my dad, going to those games with him, sitting on the sidelines, watching them play. They created their own rec league and I would go to those where the baskets were down on the side and I could play with a basketball. So my dad has told the story. I don't obviously remember it, but when I was like three years old, I was out at a basketball, high school basketball game of one of the guys my dad played with and packed gym of about 2,500 people. And I'm three years old at halftime, like dribbling up and down the court and the crowd is like cheering me on because I'm this three-year-old with a men-sized basketball dribbling up and down the court
6: he'd be waiting for me to get home from work and i'd come in and we would got in the garage and have to play one-on-one every day
0: that's dave Sowers, al's dad he and his wife joanne raised three kids in the baltimore suburbs where he owned and ran a daycare center al the oldest of three got his basketball savvy from his dad and his moves from his mom who was a cheerleading coach Al was small in stature, never reaching six feet, but he had a game and a brain built for success, and he was fearless. You underestimated him at your own peril.
6: I'm going to say he was seventh or eighth grade, and we go down to Bethany Beach. We go to play this one day, and I got Al and uh, one of the other kids that was his age, and then, and then three, me and two of my other buddies that are pretty good players. So guess who we get to play that day? Doug Flutie and his brother and then his posse, right?
0: If you're not old enough to remember Doug Flutie, he's a former star quarterback at Boston College, most famous for a Hail Mary pass to beat Miami. He and his brother both played pro football, too. You'd think these athletes would have an advantage over a bunch of local kids. Little did they know, they didn't have a prayer.
6: Of course, Al looks like an unassuming skinny 13-year-old. So Al proceeds to hit, like, five shots in a row on him at the beginning of the game. And none of us had to even do anything. We were cracking up. So Flutie's brother's getting pissed because he's trying to guard him. And they're, and they're, like, laughing. Doug's, like, laughing at his brother. Like, so he starts getting more serious about it. So he starts trying to rough Al up and stuff. So sure enough, game comes down the wire. Al picked his pocket and goes on a breakaway layup to win the game. And he's, like, he tries to call foul. And, and it was, like, stopped, and he's, like, yelling, he's giving Al a hard time and getting up near him, and, and Al just, like, he goes, dude, I didn't touch you.
0: Al silenced any doubters he may have had. By junior year, he was a starting point guard, and he was getting recruited. And then things turned in a bad direction. At the start of senior year, Al got hepatitis, and with a swollen spleen, he couldn't play contact sports. All the interest from colleges disappeared. Al and his family made the decision halfway through senior year that he would transfer to St. John's Prospect Hall, a Catholic school, where he would be reclassified as a junior. He would then get a do-over on his senior year.
5: Looking back, it's one of the most important and influential decisions I made, and I think that it was a good decision. Like, eventually started practicing with the basketball team and then played at St. John's my senior year, which was an amazing experience because at St. John's prospect hall, we were in the Baltimore Catholic league, which I believe there was like 15 kids that signed division one scholarships before this, the schedule started that year. So it was an incredible league. One of the better conferences in, in the United States for high school basketball. So to be able to get that experience and play against that competition for one year, only helped even more, and, and I remember like I was written up in the Washington Post as a player to watch that year coming into the season. And you're going against Division One talent every single game, and that was just good from an, an experience perspective.
0: Al had math, computer, and engineering interests. He wore number 10 as a tribute to the binary numbers one and zero. Al's father had a friend whose father went to Coast Guard. Al and that guy connected and talked, and Al's coach sent the Coast Guard coaches a tape. After viewing Al's tape, assistant coach Bob Bono drove to Maryland. They met at a gym near Al's family home and talked for 45 minutes.
6: We had a nice conversation everything. We got to the end of it, and I asked the question. I said, hey, Coach, when will we hear anything? Because he'd already turned in all the essays and the application and everything. And he said, yeah, it's usually about two months, maybe maybe 45 to 60 days. He said, we'll as coaches probably find out a little bit ahead of time. We gave him as a going away present two tapes that Al had from games that he had played. And Al had two very good games. So it literally was about a week later, maybe 10 days, and we got a phone call from him. He said, hey, congratulations, Al got in the academy.
0: To show Al how much Coast Guard wanted and needed him, Bob Bono did something he had never done for any player before.
5: He told me in my coach's office that day, he said, if you come to the Coast Guard Academy, from the day you get here, you will start every game. And my coach, Bruce Kelly, in high school was big on using basketball as a tool to get where you want to go. I was very good at basketball, but I knew that I wasn't going to go play in the NBA. It was one of those things to use basketball as a tool to get a better education and set myself up long-term and look at the bigger picture of things.
0: Al Sowers and Jeff Prebeck were potential stars, but when you look at the bigger picture, Coast Guard needed a lot more than them. For one thing, Al could use a backcourt mate.
3: At guard, six foot three, from Grayson,
7: Georgia, number
3: four, Brent Johnson!
7: My name is Grant Johnson. I'm from Grayson, Georgia, and I was a guard and co-captain on the Coast Guard men's basketball team. First time I realized I was good at basketball, I have an older brother who's three and a half years older, and probably when I was nine or ten I could beat him, and that was the first thing I could beat him at. It made me want to keep playing it because, well, it was something I could beat my brother at, so I kept doing it.
0: Grant's older brother, Clay, joined the Navy.
7: And I went and attended his Naval Academy graduation when I was a senior in high school, and He grew up knowing that he wanted to be in the Navy, so I I wanted to be the opposite. Whatever the opposite of that was, I wanted to be that. I mean, I was recruited, and I put parentheses around it, and it was the D3 version of recruiting. I I got some information in the mail, some emails back and forth.
0: But Grant stayed home.
7: So I went to the University of Georgia, but when I did attend his graduation, it, it really stuck with me. The... The, the prestige, the awe, the, the tradition, how the graduates were treated by everybody that attended.
0: Grant Johnson was a good basketball player, not a superstar or the kind who would go Division I, but he found his sweet spot at Georgia in intramural competition.
7: And intramurals is big at Georgia. Intramurals, everything is big. So me and a bunch of guys who could probably either walk on D1, play D2, but decided not to. We all got together, guys that could shoot and pass. We won the intramural league. So then we went to the state tournament at Georgia Tech and we ended up losing to Clayton State. I mean, it's what made me realize that I, I wanted more out of basketball. I love playing the games in intramurals, but like I, I missed a defensive strategy or a practice, like how, how are we gonna prepare for this game? I mean, intramurals was like, hey, let's all promise not to be hung over for this game. Let's show up and let's play hard. But I wanted more.
1: And he wanted to go to an academy, but he wanted to play basketball. And he knew that Coast Guard would be the place that he could do both.
0: Grant transferred to the Coast Guard Academy, but would have to start over as a freshman. With Sowers and Johnson, the Bears had a potential starting backcourt. Preback and returning captain Dan Shepard provided muscle up front. But having another big man who could play would provide much-needed depth. Head
3: forward. Six foot six from Medford, Oregon, number thirty-three, Craig Johnson.
2: My name is Craig Johnson, and I'm from Medford, Oregon, and I was a forward on the Coast Guard men's basketball team. Medford, Oregon's in the southern part of Oregon, in a bit of a mountain town that is a transformed logging town. There's quite a legacy of basketball. Players coming through there, the town really rallied around the the school's basketball teams. I didn't start until the seventh grade. I went out for the team because a friend had played, and there was three seventh-grade basketball teams, and I didn't make any of them. I got fully cut from varsity and both JV teams. So I think from then on, I've always, I've never really felt that I was good. It's just always, it's always seemed like just kind of trying to keep up.
0: Craig Johnson, no relation to Grant, may not have felt that he was good, but he was good. Very good. He worked under the tutelage of two brothers who played small college basketball. He developed a killer drop-step move. And he got good. Good enough to be first-team All-State in high school. The Coast Guard Academy doesn't typically get first-team All-State kids from any state. But remember what we said earlier some kids are drawn to the allure of the service.
2: My dad was in the Army, and we grew up going to the ocean and seeing the small Coast Guard boats, and I was like, oh, that's wonderful. And my dad says, oh, yeah, join the Coast Guard and look and see if they have an academy. It turns out they did, and both of my brothers played at Oregon Institute Technology, which is a rival school of Southern Oregon University where Pete Berry had coached. The college coaches and my high school coach knew that he had coached in the area and they knew him. They connected me to the academy and then it just kind of all fell into place. Before that senior season, I had already applied and kind of committed to going to the Coast Guard Academy. I was always, I was Coast Guard Academy since a sophomore in high school. I knew that that's what I wanted. Craig Johnson was six foot nine. He had been
1: playing in the Pac 10. He was that good a player.
0: Jeff Prebeck was from Indiana. Al Sowers from Maryland, Grant Johnson from Georgia, Craig Johnson from Oregon. That shows the geographic range that the Coast Guard had. Every now and then, they'd get someone from their own state.
3: At forward, 6'7", from Farmington, Connecticut, number 44, Steve Blum.
8: My name is Steve Blum and I was a forward on the Coast Guard men's basketball team.
0: Steve Blum was good at a lot of things growing up.
8: I was a Boy Scout, uh, and I'm an Eagle Scout, and I was in orchestra. I can't quit anything.
0: Steve Blum's stick-to-itiveness was important, because success didn't come easily in basketball.
8: Always tall, always one of the tallest kids in my class. I made the travel team. The first couple games, I got a lot of playing time. And I was like, oh, this is sweet. This is really good. All of a sudden, this other kid showed up. He was just an athletic beast. And I got no more playing time. I remember that first game sitting on the bench and not getting in and being pretty demoralized. And when it all sunk in, I got in the the car with my dad driving home. And I started to cry a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to play anymore. But... Then I continued every year, I continued to make the travel team. And the, the, the first time I realized, okay, I can help, we were playing a team that had much bigger, stronger guys than us, and we just couldn't stop their guys in the post. Coach put me in the only one. Like, we had other kids that were my height, but I was able to use like footwork and to just stop them from getting to the ball in the post. So that was my first, okay, I like, even if I'm not the best player on the court, I can still contribute to the team. I got to high school, I got cut from my high school basketball team freshman year and sophomore year. And uh, that was just like completely demoralizing. The first year I didn't, after I got cut, I didn't really do anything. And it sucked for me. I just was like going home after school. And, but luckily then sophomore year, I got cut again and I started doing track and field.
0: Steve Blum excelled in track.
8: I don't think I would have started track and field unless I had gotten cut from the basketball team. And then Junior year, I was just doing track and field. I did indoor track. And then senior year, they just didn't have enough big guys on the high school team. A couple kids had quit. A couple kids had graduated. So the high school coach actually asked me to, to play. He was like, listen, you have to try out. But if you try out, I'm going to take you. So I played. That coach, is, the high school coach is still like near and dear to me. Like He's awesome. Coach uh, Dwayne Witter coaches at Farmington High School. And I think he still tells my story every year. He tells my story to the kids before tryouts, to the kids and the parents saying, hey, if you get cut, don't think, it's, don't think it's the end of your basketball career. You can work, you can get better. I had a kid that came back and played senior year and then went on to play in college.
0: Steve Lubb wanted to go to the Coast Guard Academy, but basketball had nothing to do with it.
8: My dad has a boat in Mystic, Connecticut, and when you're driving from Farmington to Mystic, you passed by the Academy on the way. So of course we, we started seeing these signs for the Academy. And my dad was like, that's interesting. You should look into that. I'm used to being on the water. So like we, we sail. I love going to the beach, love being on the water. I'm a Boy Scout. So I did a lot of community service and stuff. And I think I, I had a calling a little bit to serve my country. I definitely wasn't considering the other military academies, but the idea of serving in a humanitarian organization definitely appealed to me. I put in my application. I knew when I put it in, it was going to be my first choice.
0: Coast Guard was Steve Blum's first choice, but he came very close to going somewhere else.
8: When I applied to the academy, I actually had a medical issue that caused them to initially like decline. Like You get an acceptance letter, but then that's conditional on the medical stuff, checking out. And I had a medical issue that basically said, they said initially, no, you can't come. This happened so late in the process that I had to put a deposit down to go to another school. Like I was literally prepping to go to a different college and I was prepping to go to WPI.
0: Hold up, time out. This is a really important piece of information. Steve Blum nearly went to WPI. That's Worcester Polytechnic Institute, a rival college in the league that Coast Guard played in. Remember that. And thanks, Steve Blum's mom, who got everything taken care of with his medical issue. He was headed for Coast Guard. As for basketball, Steve Blum was really under the radar. But he was there, and that's what counted.
1: He could run, he could jump, but he didn't have the experience of playing. He was a major project.
0: The Coast Guard newcomers did actually span from coast to coast. And in one case, a player came from far beyond the borders.
3: At guard, one, from Vilnius, Lithuania. Number three, showtime, Donatus Shodinas.
9: I'm Donatus Shodinas, and I was a guard on the Coast Guard Academy men's basketball team. Showtime. The cup basketball actually in kindergarten, with the rims very low. I think I could have dunked the ball as a kid because it was so low. It had this nice rim and the backboard uh, you know, uh, created by, by my dad and mounted on the closet doors. And I always had a, a, a nice, really nice basketball and, and, and a basket in my apartment. I started actually going to the real basketball practices like with a coach and uh, getting actual physical training at the basketball school. I looked up to the point guards. We had two big point guards, legendary point guards for our country. One is Sharunas Martilonis from Golden State Warriors, and then guess what? Another point guard shows up, another legend, Sharunas Jasiakavicius. He's a superstar in Europe. But well, we didn't have a high school team, but we had a basketball school in in Vilnius, and we had already like three teams. Started with a third team. I was a starter there. When I was in the junior senior year in high school, uh, I was thinking, which college should I go to? And uh, I made my mind with the military academy of Lithuania. Uh, I don't want to sit at the office when I'm going to be a grown up, so to say. You know, you know, and I, I want to be like more active. So let's, let's somehow pick. Let's do the military academy. But then one of my one of my basketball teammates, he told me about this advertisement in the Lithuanian military is giving an opportunity to apply for United States Service Academy, and I, I applied for it. And I went for applied for all four of them. So it took me like nine months for all kinds of tests. All the results were sent into to to the, to the United States, and and the academies picked their you know best candidates, and I was very fortunate to be one of them. I I couldn't couldn't really be more blessed than that. I had no idea about what's the level of the Division Three basketball, but I've seen NCAA March Madness Division One teams. That's only things we could have picked it up back and left the back in Europe. So I imagine, okay, if there's a basketball team, it has to be something like, hey, if, if you're that good, you make the team and you're probably going to get a chance to go to the NBA. So I, I had the impression the team will be like dunking, like throwing alley-oops, like shooting you know, crazy jump shots. You know, that was my expectation. So I never thought I'm going to make a team or go even after the team.
0: That's six of the magnificent seven. The last of them, he didn't actually play basketball for the Bears, but he was an important part of the team.
10: My name is Zach Robertson. I was a team manager and member of the Magnificent Seven for the Coast Guard men's basketball team.
0: Of all the reasons to come to Coast Guard Academy, Zach Robertson's was the most unusual.
10: So I'm from a little farm town, Crestwell, Oregon. It's outside of Eugene, not particularly near the coast. But I was born in Alaska. And when I was up in Alaska as a little kid, one of the Coast Guard icebreakers came to town. And they were doing tours. It was in the paper or something. And my dad took me to see the icebreaker. Ensign showed us around, gave us a tour of the boat. And that Ensign had just graduated from Coast Guard Academy. And my dad was real interested. I could care less. I, I was probably only 10 years old or something. And he made a mental note and remembered that. And so when it came time in high school, around sophomore year, and my dad said, you have to at least look at the website. And I went to the website and saw you got a sword. I, I was hooked. <laughs> okay, I made for the free sword. <laughs> but you- is a lot simpler than they think it is. This is how badly I want the sword. I went as part of the AIM program. So I think it was like the summer of my junior year before my senior year started. And it's a one week thing where basically they kind of do their boot camp and then a couple classes uh, over the course of a week. They yell at you, you work out, you go play some games or something. It was the worst week of my life. Life. I hated every moment of it. It was hot. It was sticky. It was the opposite of Oregon. People are just yelling at me. I'd never had anyone yell at me before. Miserable. I was counting down the moments for it to end. I couldn't wait when it was over. And for some reason, I wanted that sword, so I applied anyway. Everything that mattered was college basketball and high school basketball. The Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and getting your team to state. So we were a basketball town. Yeah. So even if I wasn't on varsity, basketball was a big part of my life. And the state playoffs and championship games were all in Corvallis, which was a couple hours away from my town. The school said they would have one bus. And if you were lucky enough to get a C on the bus, you could go. But most of the student population didn't get to go. And it was such a community thing I was really into programming and internet stuff back then, before it it was big. This is on dial-up internet. And I was learning how to code, and I came up with, yeah, a live stat computer system that did live stats and limited commentary. So I could actually do a play-by-play live broadcast.
0: And once Zach got to the academy, he figured out where his resourcefulness would fit in best.
10: I had looked up the Coast Guard basketball team before showing up at the Academy. I thought, oh, these guys suck. I I saw their losing record from 2003 to 2004. I think they had only three wins that season. I was like, okay, all right. At the time, I was thinking I was an okay basketball player. And okay, it's a smaller school, maybe I'll have a shot. So I, I went and was going to do tryouts. And as soon as I got down there, I saw my classmates that I hadn't even met yet. And I'm hearing about how they were recruited, and some of them are from Indiana, which I know is big basketball, much bigger than Oregon. And I saw just a little bit of a shoot around and it's like, okay, not quite what I was thinking. This is definitely bigger than what I can do, but maybe I can bench pretty quickly. It was okay, I could at least manage and we'd see where it would go from there and yeah pretty quickly through managing was the place for me and it was a good opportunity to just get out of the barracks but ended up just kind of falling in love with the team and ran with it
0: jeff and alan grant and craig and steven donatus and zach they all ran with it. they made the most of the opportunity that was put in front of them both academically and athletically they didn't know it at the time but this group would leave its mark on Coast Guard Academy basketball history forever. On the next episode of A Lasting Legacy, we look at the foundation that was set for the men's basketball program for the next four years.
7: The big change that happened when my class came in was the shift in mentality, the expectation that we're going to be good and anything less than good is just embarrassing. We're not going to
0: be 3-20. and A Lasting Legacy is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Mark Simon. Special thanks to the members of the Magnificent Seven recruiting class, Grant, Al, Jeff, Craig, Donatus, Steve, and Zach, as well as Coach Barry, Coach Bono, and Dave Sowers for their support of this project. Thank you for listening.